Hello and welcome to The Red Line, presented by Isles Fix, your only daily New York Islanders newsletter. Subscribe at islesfix.substack.com. Happy Thanksgiving to you all. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Phil. How are you? Well, it's not Thanksgiving up here. We, we do ours in October. But... Come on, stop it. You're basically still an American, right? I'm still an American. I still have my passport. I haven't given that up yet. Okay, so, I mean, do you celebrate oh, yeah. Thanksgiving? The people want to know. I mean, not they don't they don't really do anything. I know here. they regular, don't, a... but do you? I mean, listen, I lived in the UK for a while. They didn't do anything on Thanksgiving, but I did with my friends. So what I used to do is I used to take so it's a work day, so I would take the office out to a nice fancy restaurant in the middle of the day and we'd be there and we'd have a lot of drinks and do a lot of stuff. But we've been in a remote work environment ever since twenty twenty, so we haven't Really had the opportunity to do that. So since then, really, really nothing. Just watching a lot of football. Slow work day because in the area that I work, all my clients are American. So I I just watch a lot of football, and that's about it. Well, we got a little bit of hockey as well. Uh, we are coming right off the back of the Islanders' 3-2 win over the Philadelphia Flyers at home where they were leading wire to wire. Uh, you might say it was not the most impressive win, but nonetheless, Another game where they did not trail. And it's interesting, Isles Fix just tweeted this, uh, well, just tweeted this a little while ago, actually. But uh, tweets was, in all situations, the Isles lead about 37.7% of the time, which ranks ninth in the league. That'll be higher now after this game. And the team only trails, and this is significant, the team only trails 20% of the time. Only the New York Rangers and the Boston Bruins spend less of their time facing a deficit. That is uh, from Shauna over at the Athletic uh, NHL at Hay Shea. Um... I want to thank her for that. But I do think from a gambling perspective, and I a lot of times I always look at things from a betting, from a gambling perspective, I will tell you that a very good predictor, something that is very indicative of a team's future and how they might play going forward, is how often they're trailing. And frankly, while we can point to a, a myriad of issues for the New York Islanders right now, only the New York Rangers and only the Boston Bruins have spent less time on the ice this year, facing a deficit. Yeah. I mean, you'd like them to be a lot cleaner than when they play with the lead. I think part of the reason why they've given up so many shots, and I think only the Sharks, maybe one or two other teams, are giving up more shots per game than the Islanders, is because of this very stat, right? Score effects kick in when you have the lead. Teams that are coming from behind are coming at you harder. And the Islanders just haven't done a really good job of managing that pressure and wait you know weathering that storm particularly well and and we saw it on the west coast trip they led in all four games the islanders got uh the opening goal in three out of four of them uh calgary being the only one that they didn't but they had leads in all those games they had multi-goal leads in a couple of those and in every single one of those games they either lost or it went to overtime um and other than calgary um they they weren't able to get uh you know as as much out of it as you would like to considering all the time they spent uh, in front. Yeah, we got a lot to cover. As always, if you want to uh, uh, send us a tweet, uh, we are uh, pretty active on Twitter, X, whatever the hell you want to call it these days, at Phil's Facts. I am at Tuck on Sports. Uh, feel free to ask us a question. Use the hashtag, the red line, and uh, we'll get to it as soon as possible. Um, so what's the issue here? First of all, I, I remember you and I texting during the West Coast trip and after you know the loss to Edmonton, and the loss to Vancouver and the loss to Seattle. And I said, well, do they need to lose to Calgary for him to be fired? Lane. And uh, by the way, hey, I actually got the name right. Look at me. Uh, no, 
I uh, does he need to be fired? And you said, nope, it's done by Monday. I, I everyone I, thought it was done by Monday. What happens? I don't know. It's I couldn't fathom a scenario where you, in the span of seventeen games, have sur- or eighteen games, whatever it is, no, seventeen games, had surrendered six multi-goal leads. Right? You came away with wins in three of them. The other three of them, they you know at least salvaged a point. Those are overtime losses. The games against Detroit, Vancouver. And the third one was against uh, Carolina, of course. Um, I couldn't fathom a scenario where they're playing this poorly in the third period with no discipline, no structure, the penalty kill, a flaming hot mess, and we'd get back with the Islanders in seventh place. Albeit, you know, considering how how bunched up the Metro is, it's a very weak division this year. And we've talked about that before, that it's, it's pretty much wide open conference-wide this season. I couldn't imagine a scenario where he was going to keep Lane on. Uh, but but here he is, and Lane can add another feather in his cap tonight because he's on a four-game point streak right now. So <laughs> I can't imagine if Lou... he's going to rest on anything. He's going to rest on the fact that they've, you know, batted 750 in their past four games, and they're by no means out of it. I mean, if Lou didn't fire him on Monday, he's certainly not going to fire him now. I mean, maybe you think he's extending him the courtesy of not firing him job through Thanksgiving and maybe after Thanksgiving. But again, that's... It would be odd to do that just because of the amount of games, right? You've got tonight, and then they're playing Ottawa Friday, and then they fly back here to play Philadelphia at home again. So when you're battling to not have to come from behind in the way that they did last year, where they have to go and have a major push over the last 30, 35 games, each of these points matter. And getting adjusted to a new coach probably takes a little bit of time. So you would think that if there was a move that was going to come, it would have been made already. You know, and part of it, of course, could be just finding a coach is probably not the easiest thing. Maybe ownership wants to have more of a say in this one, given that they're going to have to keep laying on payroll. And, you know, the justification for firing a guy who's, you know, a year and a month into his job might not be enough for ownership right now. Uh, yeah, and there also th- might be an issue where, I mean, listen, uh, you and I, I, I like Lou, but, you know, let's let's, you know, call spade a spade. He's not a young chicken anymore. Um, you know, we don't know how much longer he has. If I'm an owner of the New York Islanders, do I necessarily want Lou hiring the next coach? Because if Lou does go away in a year or whenever, does the next GM want their own coach in there? And that's a whole nother. Yeah, and, okay, and on so the flip I, side, yeah. the other side of that coin, and someone pointed this out, and I thought this was a good point. The other side of that coin is if you're a coach, right? And you're going to make a commitment here. So most coaches are not going to come unless they get some sort of termed agreement, right? It's it's hard to sell someone on coming in with an interim arrangement unless they've never been a coach before. Um, you know, think about Nasser Dean when he took over the Devils bench when they fired Hines, or think about uh, Colleton when he took over in Chicago. So there are instances where you could get like an unproven guy come in as an interim and then go from there. But if you want an established coach, they might be looking at it and saying, "Well, lose 81 years old. I just don't know." what this front office picture is going to look like, you know, in, in a couple of years from now, or maybe even as soon as next year, is that something that a coach like Jay Woodcroft would want to get involved in right now? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a good point. And listen, for, for Woodcroft coming from, you know, uh, coming from the, uh, from the Alberta. Oilers and yeah. And, and from Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl to come over here and, and not necessarily be all that familiar with not only the Islanders, but also the East. That's another issue. You know, do you want to bring in a guy like him who's not necessarily familiar? By the way, you brought up the the shot metrics. And, hey, when you're up, you're going to allow more 
shots. And that's just, it's pretty obvious. It's pretty common sense when you think about it. Um, and I always use the analogy for football because way back when, before any of us really thought, or I guess before the analysts actually used their brain, they used to be like, there were these metrics like, well, when uh, Team X rushes for 100 yards, they're 16-2. and two. You're like, wow, well, clearly the correlation is run the ball more, idiot. And then nobody actually stopped to just think, go, no, they're running the ball more because they are already up. Right. Like, it, it was like that, you know, cause or causation. It's just like... It's cause and effect, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and you know, we're, we are... Um, we're, we're in saying something is correlated when it's not necessarily correlated at all. So, yes, more shots in the third period. That makes sense. But what worries me is I still just don't understand why we seem to just go back on our heels in the third period. Play hockey. Yeah, I understand yeah. you're trying to protect the lead. Um, I, I get you're probably not going to send two guys deep on the four check. But still, we just stopped playing hockey. Yeah, I mean, from the midway point of the third period, it seemed like almost immediately after the Nelson goal that we kind of just took our foot off the gas. And that was, that was a great shift. I think we actually followed that up with another good shift. It was. The next shift was great. The Casey line came out, and, you know, Fashing was making plays. And, by the way, I've I've loved Fashing with with Casey and and Clutterbuck. Yeah, he made a mistake on that last shift where he had the puck low. Oh, he he, didn't get it out. And the one that ended up in a goal, right? It was a double double mistake. First, he had the the puck low in in the Flyers' end. And and rather than just kind of, you know, use his body, protect the puck, and just eat 10 seconds, 12 seconds, he lost the puck. The puck goes out, and the puck goes – and then he has another chance to get the puck out of our zone. Right. And he doesn't get it out and ends up in the back of the net. So, you know, it wasn't great on that spot. But clearly, you know, Fashing instead of Martin on that fourth line is just – it's it's a – Complete game changer. And you I mean, have to wonder. them more energy. Oh, absolutely. You have to wonder when Matt Martin is healthy, quote unquote. First of all, the, the conspiracy theorists in me might think, is he even hurt? Or is this their, their nice way of saying, hey, we want to put you on the sideline? Or No, he's definitely hurt. If he's missing Cal's 1,000, he's, he's absolutely hurt. Okay, so he's hurt. Question is, when he's healthy, what is Lane going to do? It's a great question. I don't know. I mean, we right. know. What I mean, we you'd want like to, to see, you, you know, not again. We're not talking about like a all critical lineup spot, but but the reality is when when you're winning games three to two, and these are all very close games, we're going overtime every night, right? Every player matters because one mistake <laughs> is the difference between two points, one pointer, or sometimes nothing at all. So, right, to say that it's oh, it's just a fourth liner, you know, everything's got to be working for you in order for you to put out a good product there. Me, I would love it if it was just a conversation where, like, hey, this is where we are right now. Things are working, and hopefully they'll continue to work with Fashing. And hopefully a veteran like Martin, who's on, you know, his last legs on an expiring deal. I don't, you know, I don't think anyone expects him or Clutterbuck to be back next season. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll understand and, and take it as well as, as a guy like Thomas Hickey did way back when. Um, and, and, you know, we'll play that uh, you know veteran role in, in the locker room of, of getting guys amped up and, and excited for games and we'll do his thing from from afar what uh, so we look at the standings as we head into Thanksgiving and I want to talk to you for a minute about this the New York Islanders uh, 19 points they are two points out of a wild card they are three points out of second place in the metro right now uh, yep. they have played uh, a couple more now they all there are 18 games. The Capitals have 16. Uh, the Maple Leafs have 17. The Red Wings have 18. So they're right in the mix. Uh, what's Tampa, the sig- I think Tampa is 20. 
Tampa's 20. And yeah, Tampa's in third points. place in the Atlantic right now. Right, only four points ahead of us. Uh, 23. Right? Uh, Tampa's got 23 right now. 23, right. So four points ahead of us, and they've played 20 games. Right. What um, What's the significance of the record at Thanksgiving? Is there any? Is it blown over? I know there's, you know, the percentages say that you're if you're in the playoffs at the Thanksgiving point, it's good for you. If you're not, it's you're in bad shape. But Yeah, I mean, look, last year, all but three teams who were in a playoff spot at Thanksgiving made the playoffs, right? How significant is that? Well, I mean, I just want to point out, first of all, at that point, they were a little bit a little bit deeper into the season. I think the Islanders had already had 21 games under their belt at that point. Um, but, I mean, if you move the goalpost and you had, you know, Thanksgiving in the last week of November this week, then, you know, two or three of these things could be changed. So the bottom line is the Islanders, just like many of these other teams, considering how bunched up it is, they more or less control their own destiny. It's just about playing good hockey. So I, I, I don't subscribe to this belief where if you're not in a playoff spot by Thanksgiving, you only got like a 15 or 20% chance to make it, right? Win your games in front of you, clean up some of the things that have been ailing you. Islanders, most notably, it's been their third periods. Sorokin played great tonight, which was awesome to see because he had been struggling recently. And that was the Sorokin of, of last year that, that really showed up in a pretty big way tonight. And if we could get him going and we could get this penalty kill, you know, fixed and thankfully only one penalty taken tonight, um, then then they might be able to accumulate points over here. I still think a coaching change is necessary, but they've got enough quality on this team uh, to to bank points and can, can keep themselves in contention uh, for the time being. Salary uh, notwithstanding. Who's a bigger issue in the lineup on a nightly basis, Sebastian Ajo or Anders Lee? Clearly, I just want to – the reason I know – I would say Sebastian Ajo. I want to get rid of Anders Lee, but I'm saying, which one? Although, hey, shout Sebastian, out to Anders you only, Lee. You only have six D-men. You only have six D-men. Uh, that Ajo-Mayfield pairing has been bad. Five minutes into the game, they had allowed Konechny to get in alone, and then someone was left completely alone also at the side of the net for a golden opportunity within five minutes. Um – there was another play. I can't remember who it was. Just completely Ryan walked around Ajo. Well, Ryan Pollock um, also left the guy wide open in front of the net off a faceoff. It was just there was a there was a few instances like that. But I yeah, think the, the, the Ajo Mayfield pairing has just been looking. Ajo's just getting dreadful. like he's just getting. I mean, you, it's one thing if you expect like a twenty or a twenty-one. You know, you know, uh, a young man who hasn't quite grown into his body yet. But here, I mean, Ajo is not a young man. Like, dude, hit the friggin' gym. I don't understand. Yeah. He just gets he just gets worked. Yeah, if I was going to bring up, like, my three three biggest lineup issues right now, three biggest concerns, right? Aho, Lee, and offensively, we got to get Pajot going. My God, is he fighting it. I, the two-on-one, kind of just, like, stopping up there and allowing Stahl to poke, check that away. It's a shame because he does, he does so many things well. He uses his yeah. body. I was literally, I was watching the game tonight with my kid, and I'm, he plays hockey. He's a, you know, he's ten years old, and and I'm showing him some things that Pajot is doing. The way he just uses his body, just very subtly, to kind of put his body between the player and and the opponent and the puck. Little things like that that he does so well, right? Defensively, he's so smart. But yeah, the two on one was just awful. Uh, he I, needed to elevate. If he could have elevated that puck, he had a wide open net. I know it hit. Carter it was Hart. bouncing that one where he hit uh, Carter Hart's face. Where he hit, yeah, but I mean, you'd well, you'd like to see a pretty open look there go in. I wasn't as bothered by the um Wall Walliver uh, by the uh, Wallstrom flip pass that that puck never settled for him. No, so. no, and frankly, he got listen. I mean, uh, 
I, it went I, upstairs. That that thing launched. He tried, and, and he was getting pressure from behind and everything. Yeah, it's just he gets behind the D so often because of his because of his speed. Right. But you'd, you'd like to see him just bury some of these chances and be a threat to score again. I think. I mean, listen, I he think, wasn't a, he wasn't acquired for his scoring. That said. You know, he came off, and we all knew this, when he came from the Ottawa Senators, he, he was coming off like a 25-goal season, basically. Yeah, 26 goals, yeah. And we're like, okay, that's not what you're – if you're expecting that, you're going to be disappointed. But right. he came in, and he was a pleasant surprise, especially in the playoffs. He did all the little things. Perfect third-line center. You know, give you, say, 13 to, say, 20 goals a season. And, and, well, look, he's, he's produced every year, right? Like, his, his first full season was the bubble year. 14 goals, 14 assists in a shortened season. I mean, yeah. that's perfect from what you want, that, you know, but from, from what you would expect from him. 18 goals the next year in perfect. an almost almost full season and, and you know, close to 40 points. And then last year he had 40 points in 70 games. So some people are saying he's done. Do you think he, do you subscribe to that or you just think he's I don't think bit? he's done. Like to me, if it's one thing if he was like, if his skating ability looked shot and he was just completely lost out there. I mean, there have been some moments where it's kind of like, you know, well, that puck's got to get out, and you know there needs to be better communication here. And, and part of that is probably because he's played with so many different line mates. And, and tonight, I actually thought that everyone on that line looked good. I thought this was the first game that that trio has actually controlled. They were play. not and awful. I mean, I would say our no, worst they, line, no, they were good. They our were worst line plays. tonight was the Barzal line, by far. He was atrocious. Was all, he was atrocious. He the was... power play. He had like three good opportunities to set up passes, including when he broke into the zone three on two and. Every single pass was just going the other way. For, I don't know what the stats are, but he must have had six giveaways. And now, listen, I love Barzal. We've talked about this uh, ad nauseum. What? I, I and, and frankly, I will say Barzal has been absolutely amazing the last two weeks. Yes. Tonight was a sticker. amazing. He was absolutely. already he was already at Thanksgiving dinner tonight, which is great. Yeah, and and the fact that we can win without him is, is good. Yeah. Someone listen. Someone pointed this out, and, and credit to Lane when when credit is due. He had his second lowest time on ice tonight. So I tweeted out. With about eight minutes left, I'm like, they got to get Barzell out of the rotation because he's just doing nothing good for them, and, and everything's going the other way. And uh, towards the end of the game, they they were shifting in Anders Lee. Not that Anders Lee is is so great on defense or anything like that. But he had but a they good, were listen. He was good tonight. He was yeah. He was fine. He, he was good. <laughs> good goal. Good greasy. I mean, listen. Anders at seven Lee million dollars, we're never going to be happy. But right. if we can get that Anders Lee for another year, okay, then we can deal with it in the off season, maybe. Uh, uh, obviously frustrating. Uh, Sebastian Ajo, to me, though, is by far the number one issue. Um, I would have liked to see – I mean, if we can hold some of these damn leads, then it's not an issue because I always Matt thought, Barzal had four giveaways tonight. That is a four. lot of giveaways, especially when you have zero takeaways. Well, listen, he's always going to have a lot of giveaways because the puck's on his stick. It's, a, it's like a point guard in basketball. They are going right. to have the most giveaways. But tonight, usually he has a couple of giveaways with a couple of takeaways and six or seven fantastic plays. Tonight, he had four giveaways, and I don't remember one really good play. There weren't a lot of good plays for I him. I mean, nothing, nothing that, that stood out to me. Um, no, it was, it was not, his, not his night tonight, and, and it's not always going to be his night. You know, Sometimes he just doesn't have it, and tonight was one of those nights, and that line's been playing so well. They were so good on the West Coast trip. I thought they, they really did a good job against a good pairing and Heronic and and use in Vancouver. Uh, I, th I thought they were good on the entire trip. So, you know, give them an off night. Let Pierre Engvall and Brock Nelson 
be the dynamic duo that they were meant to be and let them take over a game once in a while, right? Hey, let's let's quickly how, go. Through. How bad? I'm sorry. Go, how go. bad <laughs> is that Pierre Engvall scratching? I'm sorry. Right. It's just like you watch a game like tonight, and it's just like I don't understand. What was, what was the man thinking? You know, listen, we have been on the record. I mean, I said it last year. The one thing that worries me about this team is the coaching. More because I, 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 I have faith that Lou will address the sixth, seventh defenseman spot at the deadline. Um, Aho, by the way, who can play both left and right D, is kind of the perfect seventh defenseman for you. Plus, he's familiar with the system, and then you, you actually go out and acquire a real defenseman, whether it's you know whether it's Hannafin out of Calgary. Uh, whether it's Chris Tanev, I don't know, somebody along those lines. By the way, I just listened to the uh, – did you get to hear the Chris Tanev interview on 32 Thoughts? Um, I did not. What did he say? It was a great anything, interview. Anything did he say he wants to play for the Islanders? He did. That's exactly what he said. It's amazing. No, uh, <laughs> it's just so funny how different he is than his brother. Like, they are, like, like night and day. I mean, oil and water. They just could not be uh, more more dissimilar. It's amazing. Um, but – Chris Tanev, to me, would be a nice fit. Obviously, Noah Hannafin would be a great fit as well. Uh, really help that defense. <coughs> Pardon me. Fighting a cold out here in, uh, in Southern California. Um, so let's. I, I do want to talk to you about uh, the playoffs now. So we look at the teams. The Boston Bruins, they're locked. They're, they're a playoff it. team. Okay. Florida Panthers? They should make it. Okay. Tampa Bay Lightning. They should also make it. Listen, if, if they're in a playoff spot with Jonas Johansson and uh, Vasilevsky's coming back next week, uh, supposedly, as, as long as Vasilevsky looks good, I think they'll they'll be fine. Rangers are making the playoffs. We hate to Rangers say are it. making the playoffs. Yeah, they built up a huge cushion. They're well, the exactly. That's the thing when you build. And, and by the way, you got to give them credit. They're doing it been, without with injuries. I mean, big without injuries. Fox, without Heedle. I mean, Heedle. Shesterkin was out a, three or four games, I think. Right. Shesterkin was out a few games. Quick has been playing fantastic for them. Quick had a shutout tonight. Unbelievable. Carolina Hurricane are going to make the playoffs. They are going to make the playoffs. Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll make the playoffs. Okay, so now we're looking at the Washington Capitals, the Detroit Red Wings, the Flyers, by the way. The Flyers slipped out, by the way. The Flyers slipped out. Listen, I think the Flyers are going to be good soon. I think they're going to be very good soon. <laughs> Travis they're Connect- good right Travis Konechny is he's the kind of guy you want him. You, He has got a little bit of Brad Marchand in him. You want him on your team. You hate him if he's not on your team. The hit he had yeah. on Barzal was fantastic. He is oh. everywhere. He plays on the edge. But he's he's gifted offensively. He can score goals, and he can knock you on your ass. You love that kind of guy in your team. Listen, they they just were coming off a five game win streak, so we we just snapped that streak tonight. Tortorella is a good coach, right? He is always, you know, he, he's he's got these guys playing with structure. Ice time is is not taken for granted there. If you're not playing well, you're you're going to sit, and we've seen him sit good players. I think. He made Kevin Hayes a healthy scratch at one point last year. So people play like their like their jobs depend on it. And it's not going to be this year. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team this year. But they have some young pieces there that they're really putting something together nice. They play a little bit like the Islanders did a couple of years ago. I th- yeah. Yeah. They and have that's, that, that's, they're just – nobody – you don't want to play against them. They're not a team you want to play against. No. And and Carter Hart, um, he wasn't terrible tonight. You know, a couple – you know, that – those two brockles, he really didn't have much of a chance on. You want to save that legal, but he he came into the night with a nine nineteen save percentage. He's been playing well, yeah, he's been um, solid. and that hasn't think? been the case, you know, for the past couple of years with Carter Hart. What's your take? I mean, I think the Washington Capitals are fool's gold, uh, despite the fact they have twenty two points in just sixteen games. Yeah, they're going to crash. Their goal Listen, differential, is just, their goal differential were... is zero. By the way, 
it's crazy that I watched that game tonight. I watched the ending. They they tied it up with about a minute and five seconds left, but the goalie pulled. Um, the way they're winning is just not sustainable. Their their offensive stats, their defensive stats, everything everything looks bad. It's just they're getting wins, and that's good. But I just don't think they're going to be able to sustain this. Not with uh, the lack of of uh, skill in their lineup currently speed. And, and their goal yeah there's lack of speed their goaltending is not make the Islanders look good. fast uh by the they way do. The, you mentioned uh it was the Washington Capitals by the way who were I want to say eight or nine points up on the Islanders yeah they were seven points ahead of us at the 50 game mark last year so and then just collapsed 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 I mean they're an older team right so you'll have guys like Oshi and Kuznetsov and Ovechkin we already know Backstrom's out for the year so yeah, I am not expecting either of those teams to make the playoffs. I still think the Islanders will get in, and then who gets in after that? Listen, the Devils are in trouble. They cannot keep the puck out of the net. Well, and, I and listen, we, listen, I, I I don't want to pat myself on the back, but you know nobody else will, so I might as well. I see you told me because I remember the Devils over under point total was like a hundred and eight, and I was like, oh, I like the under this. So you're like, no, really, I, I you like the Devils, okay? I'm I did like the Devils, like, and I said, listen. I go, they got rid of a lot of – they got rid of veteran defensemen, and they brought yeah. in – and they just brought in a bunch of – now, they have tons of skill and talent on defense, but they're all young, and right. they're making, you know, essentially young defensemen mistakes. Yeah, I think I brought this up with you. Like, the one the one thing that might happen to the Devils that would uh, hamstring them this year and cause them to fall in the standings would be going from Ryan Graves and Damon Severson to Brendan Smith – and uh, and Luke Hughes, which Hughes is going to be a great player, but when you're when you lose two, what were really good defensemen for them last year, and I know Severson hasn't been great in Columbus, and he's injured now, and I don't know how well Graves is playing in Pittsburgh, but within what the Devils were doing last year, those were pretty key pieces for them. Yeah, um, and, and, for, and they, for... they've taken a hit, and and Vanacek has been unplayable. Now I, I brought up the. So one of the advanced stats, the uh, how often you're trailing, is very is a very good indicator for how the future will will look. I always look at goal differential as well, you know. So to me, that's the one thing that the Islanders are a little bit troublesome here. They are minus eleven despite the win tonight. Uh, the New Jersey Devils are minus seven. The Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, who are one point behind the New York Islanders, are plus eleven. The Ottawa Senators, who are three points behind them, are plus eight. Mm -hmm. um, of those teams, who is if the Islanders do make the playoffs, or if the Islanders are battling for the playoffs, who are they battling it with? Who is it coming down to the last 10 days of the season? I think I think Ottawa is going to be there. I know they're missing a couple defensemen right now, but Ottawa, I, th I think they're a really good team. You know, if they could get some good goaltending this year, I think I think they'll be there. Pittsburgh should be there just because, you know, Sid, Gino, those guys, they, they keep them competitive every year. I, I really don't expect Detroit and Washington to be anywhere close. I think it's going to be similar to last year with both those teams where, you know, even Detroit was was in the seventh spot by points percentage like a week before the trade deadline, and then they collapsed as well, right? Yeah, well, and I think they're, actually... they're probably a little bit more sturdy this year than they were last year, but still, I, I don't think they've got the horses to get it done. And, you know, if you've got a goalie tandem of Vili Husso and James Reimer, well, that's that doesn't sound like the type of goalie tandem that's going to hold up over an 82-game season. And, and while I throw you under the bus for your Devils take, I won't give you credit for your Buffalo Sabres take. Uh, you were on the record of saying, hey, the Buffalo Sabres had career years from so many different players and couldn't make the playoffs. Why do we think they're going to be better this year and they're not? They're worse. Tage Thompson, by the way, is now out injured. Out six weeks, right? Yeah, he's out significant time with a wrist. 
Um, and by the way, those uh, listen, are I've told everyone who would listen that the Sabres are going to be worse. By the way, the, the wrist injury is worse. a big deal. Because even if you are able to come back for a shooter like him, remember Austin Matthews, same thing. That is not yeah. something – it doesn't necessarily mean you come back and you're right away. For a shooter, right. that, could be, that could be months before he's back mm-hmm. to himself. For sure. Um, no doubt about it. So, okay, so we're looking at it. Okay, we think Washington's going to fade. We think Detroit's going to fade. So we got two spots in there. And we're looking Islanders, Pittsburgh, New Jersey, Ottawa. Yeah, I think the, I think those will be the four. What a fall from grace it'll be at the Devils don't make the playoffs. <sighs> I mean, it's hard to see Jack Hughes not making the playoffs. He's such he that he, he's, just wants he's to ridiculous. win so badly. He's ridiculous. He's such he a competitor. Healthy? If he could stay healthy, I have a hard time seeing the miss. Like, you know, saying that they're in trouble is not to say that they won't make the playoffs. It's just they have very real issues that need fixing, and it could be as simple as them going out and trading for a goaltender, right? Calling Arizona about Corel Vimelka, right. or who apparently is rumored to maybe go to Edmonton as well. Maybe Edmonton. I don't even know if Arizona is going to trade him, right? You know, Arm, Armstrong might look at the team and look at the West and say, you know what? Let me give these guys a chance to compete for a playoff spot. Arizona's and maybe one play point out hockey. of the playoffs. Yeah, I, I wouldn't take it for you know as a given that any of those guys, whether it be Zucker. Uh, who signed a one-year deal done, but I, I don't know that Armstrong is going to be open for business at the trade deadline in the way he has in the past. I think this might be a year where, you know, you've got, uh, you know, a city to sell on keeping the franchise. And I know Bettman talked about working behind the scenes to get something done there in, in the Scottsdale area or Phoenix area, wherever. And frankly, a fan base that has been starved for quality competitive hockey for, for years now, if they're close I think he's going to, you know, stay the course. They've got enough prospects. They've got enough picks. Like, what what are the extra two second rounders for Vimelka going to do for the Coyotes rebuild? Right now, I, I, I see. I, I could see something like that just being like, hey, listen, let's reward the players for their hard work. You know, there mm-hmm. there's something to be said for that. You know, sure. when your team when your team earns that. Well, let's quickly go through the league here. The Columbus Blue Jackets. That is just an absolute dumpster fire. They are um, bad. They had a big win tonight. They snapped nine-game winless streak, but they are—they're bad. Uh, and do you make anything? What are the, the Patrick Lane uh, benching and then healthy scratch? Johnny Gaudreau has been uh, benched in that as well. What's going on in Columbus? And is there any quick fix? I mean, does Lane get moved? Lane, you can't really move him. Who's going to take him? He's—he's he's on like eight point seven for for this year plus two. He's been bad. He just has been a bad hockey I mean, player. We could make an Anders Lee, Patrick Line deal work, I think. I don't know that Lee would waive his no trade clause <laughs> to go to Columbus, though. Probably not. That would be interesting because they've got the same amount of term. Line is a bit more expensive. You could probably work out the financials to make that work. But a team's not just going to take on that 8.7. I remember when they made that deal and they moved Bjorkstrand for just a third and a fourth to create the cap space for that. I said, oh. you know what? They would have been better moving Line A for premium assets and keeping Bjorkstrand, who, in my opinion, is the better player. Bjorkstrand's a really good player. We were both, He's a really good player. You and I were both on Twitter during that offseason, and they signed. Everybody's going crazy. Oh, why can't the Islanders get Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Line? And I remember arguing with so many people who were so many people on Twitter who were like, the Islanders should have got a, a sniper. And I, my question is always, okay, number one, how do you define a sniper? Okay, nobody ever gives me an answer. Okay, fine. We define a sniper. Okay, cool. Who's available? That that fits your description. And then many people would point to Patrick Laine because he was traded for Philip Dubois. I'm like, okay, so you wanted to trade a first-line center for him? Okay, number one. And then now, look at it. How many Three pe- goals. How many Three pe- goals of the season so How many far. people want Patrick Laine now, right? At no. 8.7 million. 
He's slow. He doesn't play any defense. He's very often injured. He's got, he's got no heart. Yeah. I just don't. I, you know, there's some guys out there who just don't have any heart. And, you know. Goudreau doesn't have any heart. I mean, you have to be a complete and total loser to turn down the Devils to play in Columbus for less money. And now he's got, like, what, eight points this season? It's it's a disaster of what's going on for him in, in Columbus. It's the year. weird thing. So I was just having a conversation with somebody about captains. And the the theory behind it was if somebody needs the C on their jersey to be the captain, then they're not the captain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think, you know, when you start to make analogies or run things, when I see a player take the money and go to Columbus, I just go, you know what? Good, we just dodged a bullet. And I didn't know this before. But the fact that right. he would leave a competitive team in Calgary and have a choice to go to a bunch of different teams, whether it was the New Jersey Devils or whoever it might be, and instead of choosing one of those teams, he decided, hey, I'm going to play in obscurity, collect my money, and just go off into the sunset in Columbus. Yeah. You know, and I, and I keep having this argument with people. It's like, well, Lou should have spoken. I'm like, I'm like how, how do you not get through your head two things? Number one, the point that you just made which is this is a person who clearly his heart was not about winning, but about finding the comfortable lifestyle for him, his wife, and his child, which, you know what? He's, as a human, you're entitled to do that. 100%. Listen, he earned it. He put in his time. He earned it. Exactly. Go ahead and do it. And, And then the second thing is if he went to Columbus over New Jersey, Luke could talk to this guy all he wants, but it, it doesn't really matter, right? You would have ended up tying up over $10 million annually in this guy when you account for the cost of living difference and taxes and all that stuff for a guy who's playing like like trash this year. And right. the whole, and, you know, and to, have, the to stress yourself that... out with that kind of conversation is just silly because yeah. it was it was never meant to be anyways. The Goudreaux's wanted to be in Columbus. They're in Columbus, and they're playing a losing brand of hockey now. Right. But I, I guess I, I'll just reiterate my point. simple. If a guy chooses that, and that's the guy we don't want. Correct. You know, it, it's a We want the thing. Bo Horvats. <laughs> right. Hey, um, I feel like, you know, we, you've got like a couple of good gaps in the, in the NHL calendar. You know, first, obviously, we've got, you know, you've got the All-Star break. Uh, I do think Thanksgiving is, is, is fairly significant. You know, many teams have played, you know, between 16 and, say, 20 games. It's a nice little, like, kind of like taste. Okay, what are we at? What is your biggest surprise so far of the NHL season? Biggest surprise. And and tell me why it's Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> no, that's not my biggest surprise. Wow, biggest surprise, really? I mean, that's up there. I mean, they're five. I could, I could easily one. have seen their well, their goaltending. Everyone knew was was disastrous, and McDavid was hurt as well as playing hurt. So did I expect it to be this bad? No. The biggest surprise is the Bruins. Right. Yeah. I mean, they lost Bergeron. They lost Krejci. They had to cap dump Hall. Uh, they played uh, four games without Charlie McAvoy, who was suspended. <laughs> right. No one ever would have expected that the Vesna quality goaltending they, they got from two goaltenders last year would repeat itself this year, which it has. And they've been able to create enough offense where they're winning all these games. I think they won again tonight, three to one or something like that over Florida. Like they have now allowed, they have now allowed 38 goals in 18 games. Incredible. Incredible. They I scored mean, 63. Listen, they, they, they that's scored coaching. 63. That is coaching. Look up and down their lineup. They've got guys like JVR and, You've got guys who, frankly, I'd never even heard of before the season started who are playing regular minutes and putting up good numbers. 
And the defensive structure is, is really what's what's made it work for them, right? They're a tough team to penetrate. And when you break through, you got to get through one of their two elite goaltenders. And I, I, I genuinely did not expect with the lack of depth that they had up the middle of the season that they would be able to, you know, repeat the start they had last season. But but here they are. And they were on pace to, <laughs> to win the President's Trophy again. Good for them. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks, to me, uh, besides the Edmonton Oilers, are one of the bigger surprises at 13-5-1. They do play in the in the West, which is a little easier. Um, I thought they'd be improved this year, but um, they are putting themselves in the conversation over in the West. Uh, plus 32 goal differential, the most goal, biggest goal differential in the league. And uh, it kind of brings us back to one of the games on the West Coast and coaching. And one of my biggest issues I had with Lane and, and what we did, I feel like as a coach – the number one job is to put our players in a position to be successful. And yet, I'm watching Matt Martin and Anders Lee repeatedly try to guard Quinn Hughes, which is the equivalent, if you want a football analogy, of trying to guard Tyreek Hill with a linebacker. I mean, Quinn, he, Quinn is just absolutely ridiculous. It's well, he's like a, too good for everyone. He's fine. He's too good for everybody. But listen, Tyreek Hill is also too good for everybody. But you're not going to put a linebacker on him. Why would yeah, you I mean, I mean put your players in a position to succeed putting Anders Lee and Matt Martin on Quinn just nonsensical That was one of those games where I looked at it and was like I really hope that they continue the theme of like getting guys who've got good good legs into the lineup against a speed team like Vancouver you would like to have seen them play you know Fashing Gautier or, or one of the other one of the other in that game Um I mean it, that wasn't the biggest issue, right? The biggest issue against Vancouver is we took six straight penalties and we only killed half of them. And then we ended up in overtime, blew a coverage, and, and that was the end of that it game. Wasn't, no, it wasn't the biggest issue. I guess my point is just for me, when I'm looking for coaching and I'm looking, okay, maybe am I, am I being too hard on Lane? Is no, it just no, the you're players? Not being too hard. And then but I, when, I watch something, right, when I watch something like Anders Lee try to stay with Quinn, I'm going, what are you doing? Like, like this doesn't make any sense. I can't explain it. <laughs> I can't explain it because there's there's a lot I can't explain of, of what Le what Lane has done this year, right? I mean, we all want change, and we hope that the change is good. At least the power plays look better, right? The power play has looked better, although I will say, I don't know if it looks it looks better in the sense that we have gotten uh, we've our zone entries are significantly better, which is what our, was our biggest issue last year at the end of the season when Barzal went down. Um, mm -hmm. I still think our power play once we get set is a bit static. Yeah, I, I'd like to see the uh, top of the umbrella. So when you when you set up a power play, generally speaking, most teams you'll see you got somebody in the Ovi spot, you got somebody in the Kucherov spot, and you've got somebody up top who's the quarterback. It's an umbrella, and it's very basic power play that most, pretty much everybody in the NHL knows, and almost every team uses. Um, I, I think better teams, like you can see the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Edmonton Oilers, when their power play is humming, you see the top three in that, in that umbrella move. Yeah, we don't move around. At all. When I was looking at it tonight, and then I saw that incredible tip that Brock Nelson had. Oh, my gosh. That was so that filthy. got me thinking, and that was the second tip he had this year. He had, uh, if you remember, he has so much good hands. Yeah, and I was thinking to myself, you know what? They set up Barzal for a one-timer tonight. He doesn't really have enough juice on his one-timer to make it a threat why not put paul mary there put barzell where nelson is and make nelson the net front guy yeah and like he's got enough mobility and good enough hands to you know make that pass to the bumper to horvat from down low 
or he's to also, deflect the, or to deflect the puck or he, to or to even rotate out of that spot and and put himself somewhere else dangerous. I just think they could they could be more creative with the current personnel that they have there. Um, and, he's also and prone to turning the puck over a lot. Yeah, he does turn the puck over. He makes some really bad pass to Dobson, which puts Dobson yes. in a tough spot. He's done that and many leads times. Leads to shorthanded year. chances. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather not have Nelson up top there, <laughs> to be honest, because his one timer has never been good. He's a wrist shot, snapshot kind of guy, and 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 apparently this year he's been deflecting pucks. So I'd like to see them be a little bit more creative with the with the layout. I think the personnel has been good. Um, Do you think can Nelson take the beating? Well, I don't think Paul Mary's really taken a beating. He's it's not like he's standing up in the middle and, and boxing out. Paul Mary's really good at like taking away the goaltender's eyes when he knows the shot is coming. I'm like, he'll see a set play off the faceoff and he'll read it well. And the goal that comes to mind is Dobson's goal against Seattle. Yeah. Right. Five seconds into that power play, like Paul Mary pokes it back, Barzal gets it, right to Dobson, and all of a sudden you see Paul Mary just jumping in front of um Grubauer's face and and no one could see it, and that's that's right in the net. So you know, maybe it takes time to to learn how to make that kind of read and, and when to be up there in the middle because, you know, Nelson's not going to be boxing out the entire time like Anders Lee did. But I don't think it requires you to just, like, stand in front of the goalie the entire time. Palmieri's not not really doing that. He's yeah. kind of, like, he's kind of, like, situated below the goal line even um, in, unless it's, like, Dobson winding up for a shot. Right, right. The Islanders were five for their last ten going into tonight's game. Uh, they did not get a power play goal. Yeah, tonight. zero for two. But on on the second one, they obviously didn't have Barzal because he was in the box. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, so there were a couple of, a couple of uh, non calls tonight that were just like the Casey Sezikis non call on the trip. Right. So uh, I think I, I think what the what the refs do in that situation is if they know that he hits the puck before the legs, I've seen that not called before there was okay. a, a similar there was a similar play last year where the islanders had just gotten the game tied up against colorado three to three and then lee did the same thing to mccarr poked the puck and then mccarr kind of tripped over lee stick after that and then bovillier went up four to three and people were like well why wasn't that a penalty and i think it's just when you hit the puck before the trip comes in i think the refs very often let that go but they made up for it because fashing was clearly tripped on the next shift and they didn't call that one either. Right. I think that was clearly they, they gave that one back. I mean, the, the cross check to Wallstrom's face at the end. I guess that's just okay. To Wallstrom or to Dobson? Uh, no, it's to Wallstrom. It's Wallstrom. Okay. The Dobson one was uh, Hathaway with the body check. I thought that was boarding. Probably was, but it's close. To, I mean, the Wallstrom one was just. And then that led directly to a goal, which was kind of frustrating. I thought the one on Dobson was was borderline boarding. And then, of course, to finish off the game, like Cal Clutterbuck getting slashed on the hands with 25 seconds left, ended up not mattering, though. But, I mean, that's that's a call you'd like to see them make when it's as, as clear as day that the guy just, like, hits his hands so he doesn't get a clean shot off on the empty net. Hey, before we say goodbye to everybody, I do want to, uh, once again, thank you all for joining us here. This is The Red Line. Uh, if you have any questions for us, you can tweet us at Tuck on Sports, at Phil's Facts. Uh, we are here each and every week during the Islander season. Uh, I want to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving as well. Phil, coming out of the break, clearly Lane's not going anywhere. Are we not yet, at least. Are we, still, <laughs> are we still optimistic? I mean, do we still think that this team, as currently constructed, and I don't see Lou making any changes anytime soon, although according to Elliot Friedman on 32 Thoughts, the Islanders are one of the teams in on the Calgary defenseman. Yep. 
Um, are you optimistic? I'm I'm optimistic. Uh, listen, I'm I'm going to maintain the stance I've had from the get go, which is this team is good enough, and that that's clear. And listen, when when you're leading that amount during games, when you're trailing for such a short amount of time during games, right? They're they're in all of these games. So, are they good enough to make the playoffs as currently constructed? Absolutely. Are they good enough and coached well enough and have enough structure to make it to the Stanley Cup right now? Absolutely not. Barring some sort of miracle, which would be a Sorokin doing some sort of Bobrovsky type impression from last year. Um, let's give it time. Um, right now, you know, from a situation standpoint, they're right in the mix with with a bunch of other teams. They'll be back in action Friday night in Ottawa. Kind of annoying because the league rules don't allow them to travel to Ottawa until midnight tomorrow night or something like that. So there's always that like advantage that the home teams have when the traveling team comes. It's not in a long flight late. though. No, only one hour, but every every minute of that counts. Um, and then they'll be back home on on Saturday night to play the Flyers again. So if they could pick up, you know, three or four points over here, they'll be in really good shape. Yeah, the next two games obviously really big against Ottawa and Philly because next week it doesn't get any easier. As uh, I think they've got Carolina next week. They've got I think Florida they got the next, week. next week. Yeah, Devils, Carolina, Florida and week? Florida. Ooh, that is a schedule. Yeah. So is it in that order? I don't know the exact order. I, I think it's Carolina oh, first, then Devils, then Florida. I All right. Tell you their schedule. No, it's it's Devils first. Devils, then Carolina, then Florida. Right. So they got Ottawa on Friday, seven thirty. Then they got Philly at home. Then they go all the way to the Rock, all the way to New Jersey on Tuesday night. Then they fly down, and they do Carolina. They do Florida on Saturday, six o'clock start. That's kind of odd. They usually lump that trip together with Tampa. I guess I guess Tampa is going to be on the road or something because usually they do Carolina, Florida, and Tampa. And then the schedule gets a bit softer because then we host the Sharks and the Blue Jackets. So there'll be, you know, these these next five games, not easy games. Not one easy game on the schedule. The Flyers aren't easy. The, I don't think the Sens are easy. They've won the past couple no, of I mean, even, so. even if the Flyers don't have that much talent just yet, they they play not, well. they yeah, play they're hard. not an easy team to play against. There's no doubt about it. Um, yep. As we saw. Anyway, uh, Phil, any last thoughts as we uh, we say goodbye and happy Thanksgiving to everybody? Well, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Thank you for everyone who's who's left, you know, your kind reviews about uh, how much you've been enjoying this uh, so far. You know, Dave and I, we appreciate the feedback. Any any questions you want to lob at us on Twitter and we, we can cover that in the next show. But yeah, I'm kind of del- I'm, I'm feeling delirious today. I feel like I'm kind of uh, the show went off the rails, but it worked. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, everybody, happy Thanksgiving, uh, however you celebrate, wherever you might be in the world, especially you Ireland people. We love you up there. You're Irish. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we will uh, we'll talk to you next week. Let's go, Isles.